stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. I am always so excited when we do this show. You know why? Because I get to talk about quality of life for people with disabilities and because I have you. Such a great listening audience. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support, for your email, for everything. You don't know how much it means. You are helping me change America through supporting this show, and I really do appreciate it. Today, I'm very excited because we have as our guest Ms. Karen McCullough, a real advocate for civil rights and quality of life for all Americans with disabilities. She first became the very first executive director of the Disability Works Initiative in Chicago, which was created to increase the employment of people with disabilities in the state of Illinois, and you know how important that is to me. Karen is also well-known as an educator, researcher, a grassroots advocate, and a nurse with a disability. As a matter of fact, she is the co-founder of the National Organization of Nurses with Disabilities. She is their immediate past president. Let me tell you something about this woman. She has so many accomplishments and has done so much that I can't list them all or the show would be over. That's how long it would take. So it is truly our honor to have as our guest today, Karen McCullough, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Joyce. I'm very happy to be here. Well, it is our honor to have you. And you know what? I just want to talk to you about something Karen was asking me about before this show started. July 26th, the 18th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, I was so proud to be in the Disability Pride Parade in Chicago and see Tony Quello my friend, your friend, and the author of the ADA as the Grand Marshal, and I just had such a great time, such a great time. I'm going to try to go back next year, but I wanted to tell you, Karen, I really loved it. Great. We were glad to have you in Chicago, and you have to come back, Joyce. I will come back. As a matter of fact, I told the epilepsy affiliate they need a float next year, so they better have that float so I can come and be in the parade again, but I would come no matter what. But, Karen, for our listeners around the world, uh, many of them may not know about you. How about if you tell us how and when you first became involved in the disability community? Well, I started um, really doing a lot in the disability community, certainly after I became disabled. Um, And I have three disabilities. I have multiple sclerosis. I have uh, vision left in one left peripheral vision in my left eye. I'm totally blind in my right. And I also have some significant hearing loss, so I'm uh, wearing hearing aids. I really started back in the early 80s um, when I uh, went back to school at Loyola University as a, like a blind student, um, and I realized that 
um, I needed to speak up for my rights. And so that's when I began to learn more about my own self-advocacy and then moved into advocacy uh, and working with other people with disabilities. Now, now, when was this, Karen? What year was this? Um, I actually started back to school in 1989, um, but I've had disabilities since 1970, the, the late 1970s. But... Uh I didn't know a lot of other people with disabilities at that time, um, and it was more like a pity party uh, directed to me. And so um, after I started losing my vision is when I said, oh, I've got to get my act together and move forward with my life, and that's when I went back to school. All right. Now, Karen, a question, an additional question that we have from a listener is what do you think it is that made you decide to be an advocate. In other words, Ms. McCullough, some people, many people, as you well know, have disabilities, but few of them, a few, become advocates. What was it that made you become an advocate? I think it was um, when I started to find resources um, that were associated with the blind, blind, uh, blindness. And I had to try and go to Yellow Pages, and with a magnifier, um, I went down the, the, the Yellow Pages and found um, Venetian blinds, all kinds of things. And I finally found one resource, and I thought, this can't be this difficult for people to try and find assistance. And I think that was my first awareness um, that we had to be making resources available more and more to people with disabilities so that they could advocate on their own. And that was my first awareness that something needed to change. And you just did it. But a lot I did. Actually, I started a directory um, of resources and began to make them an alternative format and pass them out um, because I felt that um, information frequently is not directed to people with disabilities and we fall through the cracks. But if we're given information, then we can take action on the information. And for those of you listening to the show today, young people with disabilities specifically, you know... You can sit around, complain about it, or you can do something. Right. You notice she did something. And that, that is what we need. We need more leaders that take action, uh, like Karen, because that is what makes a difference in our life and what happens. Karen, uh, you also, I mean, oh, my goodness, you've done so much. It's unbelievable. Yeah, here, here's an example of a woman with disabilities that's done more than, like, 90% of people non-disabled. I just want to point that out. But from 1990 to 2005, you owned Karen McCullough and Associates. Now, what was that? What was the mission of your company? What did you do? Well, first, let me give you a little background. After I um, was into the university, and I um, wanted to begin looking for another job as a registered nurse. Um, people kept saying to me, how can you be a nurse if you can't see? Even the vocational rehabilitation counselor said that to me. Ugh. It made me very angry um, because uh, the picture of nurses frequently are in the white uniform right at the bedside. But nurses have so many different fields that they can go in that I believed in myself 
um, that I could still be working regardless of, of disabilities. And so when I couldn't find a job in the health care sector, I started my own business um, as a for-profit private practice, registered nurse, the first one I know for sure in Illinois who had multiple disabilities. And so my whole gist was was to begin to work with corporations on event planning um, in regard to accommodating to their employees or other people with disabilities who would attend their events. I started doing um, in-service education for healthcare institutions, which I thought was ironic. They wouldn't hire me as a nurse, but I could do in-service education, and I was very pleased to do that. And then I started um, reaching out within the population of people with disabilities who are having difficulty adjusting to permanent severe disability. And I then started developing um, special programs, 10 weeks, so forth, where with specific topics to work on adjustment to disability. And then I got into developing um, research into nonverbal communication because I felt that because I no longer saw people's faces, I couldn't read their emotions on their face, that I wanted to know more about it for myself. And I, from 1993, um, actually to now, um, I developed a 10-week workshop uh, teaching people on how to use eight different areas of nonverbal communication to become a more effective communicator. So I just kept building on what I was learning from people with disabilities on what they said they needed, and then I developed programs and offered them at various organizations um, that would um, enhance uh, communication effectiveness for people with disabilities. So I did a lot of things, and I did things for um, um, universities on nursing research. I, I, whatever was offered to me, I figured out a way to do it. And one of the pieces about people with disabilities and owning a small business, you don't have to know everything. You just need to know the people you need to write a business proposal or contract and bring in the experts if you need to. So I like that part about having a small business. You know what? I say kudos to you. First, that you started that as a for-profit company. Good you for you. Because I, I went through a period of time where everybody said to me, well, Karen, you have so many skills. You should do some volunteer work. And I do do volunteer work. But at this point, I'm looking for a job. I need a paycheck. And so, yes, volunteer work is great. I think a lot of things that I did as a volunteer, I developed more and more skills, and we have to keep that in mind. But the bottom line is, is that my goal was employment. And in order to find a job, I had to create my own business to work at that time. Unbelievable. And you know why? What I'm saying about this is that, you know, Bender Consulting Services is a for-profit company, and we started that way for two reasons. Number one, no pity, no charity. Mm-hmm. Don't think of us that way. Number two, everyone who works for me has 100% health care in reference to the premium. They do not contribute to the premium. They are their family. So, of course, in order to have that type of health care, I knew I would have to be a for-profit company. But why I'm bringing this up is people, as soon as they talk about disability, they say you should do volunteer work or uh, you should be a nonprofit right away, first thing they say. 
Right. You know, th- that's why when I was on a radio show in New York City and I said what I do, the radio, get, the host said to me, now you have a company where you have employees with disabilities? I said, yes. Then why are you for profit? Right. And I said, would you have asked me that question if they were non-disabled? He said, no. I said, that's why. Uh, very so good. good. Good for you, Karen. Good for you. Yeah, I actually feel very strongly the same way you do, Joyce, about this. I think that um, sometimes people with disabilities are sold very short, um, and it certainly has been my experience is that we are undervalued um, and we're definitely an untapped resource of workers. So, you know, we, we should be speaking up for ourselves now in our own advocacy um, because it's time that we do. And I'm glad you're doing it, Joyce. Thank you. It is time we do. That's why I say no more waiting. No more waiting. You know what? Guess what? No one's going to do it for us. You have to. And with that, we're going to go to break for a minute. If you just joined us, our guest today is Karen McCullough. And she is a civil rights champion for all people with disabilities. We'll be right back with Karen. Don't go away. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST. 
4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure, what's up? Um, there's this girl I kind of like. Well, if there's one thing I know, it's women. Really? Well, they didn't call me velvet for nothing. I don't get it. Smooth. I was smooth. Oh. Anyway, it's easy. You just got to impress her. Show her how strong you are. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? I don't know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, Ugh! try it. Ugh! Ugh! <laughs> See, there you go. And you should dress up. Start wearing a shirt and tie. I'll look like a dork. No, you'll look successful. Okay. And finally, you can start using my cologne. <clears throat> the ladies love it, so don't be shy. Splash it on. Thanks, Dad. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To find out how you can adopt, please visit our website at adoptuskids.org or call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back thanking me for my concerns and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who will work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. If you just joined us, you are in for a treat because we have today nationally known Karen McCullough, Executive Director of Disability Works, which is a department of the Chicagoland Chamber of Commerce. And I always say about Chicago, if you want to go somewhere and see a lot happening progressively for people with disabilities, go to Chicago. Uh, Karen, can you, let's just back up a minute. Could you tell our guest a little bit about Disability Works and what, what, you, what you're doing there? Okay. Um, I'm the first executive director, um, and Disability Works is the result of a task force that was set up by Richard Daly, the mayor of Chicago. And the task force was charged to look at the barriers that present challenges for employment for people with disabilities. The task force was in place for three years. 
2002 to 2005, um, and members of the task force included businesses, job developers, service providers, legal experts, civic leaders, and leaders within the disability community. In the end, they began using the word disability works, um, and they decided to make it a real entity, and in a decision made by the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois, and the Chicagoland Chamber of Commerce, they decided to place Disability Works at the Chicagoland Chamber of Commerce with its 2,600 business members because the bottom line is if businesses don't hire us, we don't have jobs. So we have been um, three years now, and I'm going to brag a little bit, but we did receive the U.S. Department of Labor New Freedom Initiative Award in 2006. Um, which was a very big deal, first time this award has come to Illinois, and I know that one of the reasons why we received it was our employer outreach and education um, that we're providing in order to bring businesses along to start hiring people with disabilities. We were um, an initiative that was focused in the city of Chicago and the Northeast region, where we started with two staff, and as of July 1st, 2007, we went statewide. We are now uh, 14 staff strong, where the majority of us who work, all leaders, are people with disabilities. Oh, that is awesome. I love the name, but I love where it's located. You know, you. I hate that you. when you have these things about the employment of people with disabilities and it's not connected with the business community. Because I always say, and where do you think these jobs are? So right. And our mission is to direct to Joyce um, to increase the economic and employment opportunities of people with disabilities through the development of collaborative relationships between the public and the private sector. And so we have a lot of partnerships, and I would enjoy having people come to our website uh, it's www.disabilityworks.org, all one word, disabilityworks, um, and uh, just to see our constituencies that we're reaching out, our service providers, people with disabilities, and businesses. That is awesome. Uh, a question for you, Karen, actually right here from the state of Pennsylvania. Miss um, McCullough, in the state of Chicago, I know you've done a lot of work in the area of employment. My question for you is, sadly, this high unemployment rate continues on year after year after year. Do you have any hope that will change soon, and what do you think are the main barriers? Great question. I do think that we're going to see change. First of all, it's estimated by 2014 um, through um, uh, Assistant Secretary Roy Grizzard, who just retired from the Office of Disability Employment Policy from Department of Labor, approximately 36 million people could potentially retire by that time. Some of them are going to stay on board as they look at their pensions and Social Security, but the bottom line is we have an aging workforce and we have less workers to pull from, and I think that this is an excellent, excellent time for us to be marketing qualified people with disabilities in the employment market. And I think we're going to see some changes because it's our time. Now, I want to say that Cornell University did a report in 2007 that said that there was a 42% gap in employment 
where 37.7% of people with disabilities were working versus 397 of non-disabled. Now, that's a 42% gap, but that it has closed in some since um, uh, previous statistics have, have were developed. However, a lot of people use the 70% unemployment rate. I don't do that because we don't know that every person with a disability wants to work, but I think according to the studies Cornell is doing, a 42% gap is a, a big gap, and I think that there's a lot of organizations, government agencies, and businesses that are trying to make that gap smaller. Well, you know what, Karen, although um, I myself sometimes I use 50 or 60% unemployment rate, this is what I always say to people. I don't care if it's 30%. That's way too high. Absolutely. I mean, like, as if we're supposed to be happy about that. 20, 30, 40, that's still way too high. And, you know, it, it's just really bothers, bothers me that you have this, great group of people out there. I have to agree with you about one thing. If we do not, over the next 10 years, see a big improvement, we're really in trouble. And I think some of the traditional ways of assisting people with disabilities and finding jobs have to change. We have to be more innovative. Um, we have to be more assertive. We also have to provide more job skills training in high-growth industry areas. We, um, for instance, in Chicago, we are in Illinois. We have a huge critical skill shortage initiative in healthcare, and we actually have looked at uh, how many students are in the pipeline who are going to become nurses. And right now, we know that there's about a 3,500 um, deficit, and so. I certainly am marketing within the disability community that people with disabilities should be thinking about going into nursing because that's a high growth demand area. Um, a lot of service providers are providing job skills training, but the question is, are there jobs at the end of that training? Right, Karen. That is right on because I meet all these people that they've gone all the way through four years of college or wherever it is, and the service provider paid for this, and guess what? There's no job. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's obviously always your free will. Right. But you should at least be educated enough to know, okay, I can get a degree in this, but if you already have a barrier toward the employment of people with significant disabilities, which there is. We know there is because the federal government has right now the worst record of employing people with disabilities since 1992. The statistics just came out. It is 0.92%. That is the lowest employment in years in the federal uh, government of Americans with targeted disabilities. So we know there's something wrong here. And there are many, many factors that play into this. But one of them, Karen just hit on. You know, if you just go and you get trained, but you're not trained in something that will result in employment, it's not going to help you. Right. So and I'm, I really think glad, that's I'm really glad you're doing that, Karen. Yeah, I think the healthcare industry is one of them, and it's a systemic problem across the country. And you know, that could mean anything from food service to finance to maintenance to medical school. We actually have mentors um, here in Chicago who are people with disabilities 
who are uh, physicians, who are nurses, who are physical therapists, uh, people working in administration and admission, so that when we think about healthcare industry, they offer every kind of job you can think of that would be in other corporations with the exception of their healthcare. So that certainly we're pushing the healthcare professions because we know that we need them and we have a critical skill shortage, but there's jobs within the industry that um, just vary. Um, all over the place. And so, for instance, we know one of the areas is medical coding. That's uh, less, is quite slightly less than a year's training. Um, I could just go on and on. But the point being is if we just looked at that field alone across the country, there are jobs that are, there are job seekers with, who are qualified, who are people with disabilities, to apply for jobs within the industry. Yeah, one other thing I want to mention, you know, and I tell people I like to go to the elementary school, the high school, to talk to students with disabilities because there is a tremendous skill gap right now, a skill shortage in the area of computer science and information technology in the United States and Canada. Yeah, see, and, and it's so terrible that companies are trying to think of what are they going to do to be able to find these skills. You know, I always tell people, you know, I'm, I, when I grew up, there was no such thing as the PC. Now, of course, kids go to kindergarten and they have a laptop. So, you know, what, it's not such a big deal. I'm sure there are other reasons that people stop going into this field, but this is important. You know, if you, when you're listening to this show, you're a young person with a disability, you need to find out where are these areas. Make sure you're spending your four years or two years, whatever it is, and, and that it's worth your time. Right. If and not, I, um, Joyce, this technology field is a really good one that you brought up because it also provides for people who live in rural areas to telecommute right. and work full-time even from home where transportation may not be as available and where you can be anywhere in the world and work through your computer. And uh, it's very, very well suited for people with disabilities. So I agree. I think that's a whole other high-growth demand area where we need to have more students with disabilities get trained in the area. Yes, and, you know, companies listening to the show, remember, you're going to need people. There's a shortage of talent. Here is an untapped labor pool that has not been aggressively sought after, or we wouldn't be talking about all this right now. Right now, you're listening to Karen McCullough, Executive Director of Disability Works, a department of the Chicagoland Chamber of Commerce, and truly an advocate nationally for people with disabilities when it comes to employment and quality of life. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. 
People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Are you ready to take it to the next level, both personally and professionally? If your answer is yes, you owe it to yourself to spend an hour with America's coach, Dan Lear, and the Road to Success, broadcasting live every Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Dan shares proven success strategies that will take you from where you are now to where you want to go. Your road to success begins with America's coach, Dan Lear, on the Voice America Business Channel. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, (laughs) no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we have as our guest today, Ms. Karen McCullough, Executive Director of Disability Works, which is a department of the Chicagoland Chamber of Commerce. But Karen has a long history working in many areas for people with disabilities, including nursing. And, Karen, you were telling us that when you yourself acquired disabilities, how were you then treated as a nurse? Well, when the first disability I had was non-apparent, it was not a big issue. But when I started losing my vision um, across the board, it was how can you be a nurse if you can't see? And I, that, will, that will always stay in my mind, branded into my brain, because I felt that that limit, the person who said that to me and other people, it limited their perspective of what opportunities there are in nursing for people with disabilities. And basically my gut response was when that was said to me, well, you just wait and see. And having that's when I started my own business. But the reaction was generally, if we're going to use the medical model here, is that people with disabilities need to be fixed and are broken and are generally seen as patients, not peers. If you use the social model on disability, we would be focusing on our abilities, not the disability, which is certain, certainly where I focus, and that in the world of nursing and in healthcare, um, nurses with disabilities are absolutely able to still function as nurses, 
um, and they may need to tweak their career a little bit um, if they develop a disability somewhat later in life, but it's still possible to work as a nurse who has and have a disability. Yes, and you know what? I love that about you, Karen, that they said to you, you can't do this, and you said, well, just watch me. Yeah. I mean, I, I always have had a little bit of a, um, uh, inkling inside of me when someone tells me I can't do something, um, and I know that I can because I know what's in my brain and I know what I'm thinking and I know how much work experience I've had. My area of specialty was in neurosurgery, neurosurgery intensive care, that's a brain surgery, and um, I think that I'm smart enough to be able to figure it out. Um, unfortunately, at that time, I was just viewed as a person with disabilities um, and not looked at in regard to my abilities. And I think that's different now than it used to be. I mean, I spent 13 years in my for-profit private practice being rejected as an RN um, until about 2003 when I was brought together with some other nurses and I sat around the table and I actually got tears in my eyes, Joyce, because all of a sudden people were asking me as a nurse my opinion um, where it had been that generally when I was working and doing contracts, the issue of me being a nurse was never mentioned as if it wasn't believable. And I think now, um, um, just to share with you beyond that, um, I attended Northwestern University Kellogg School um, Executive Leadership Institute in January last year, and I was, it was a, um, a course, a Leadership Institute sponsored by the um, Nurse Executive Organization here in Illinois. I was the first nurse with disabilities to go through that Leadership uh, Institute. Um, so if it's people have to keep breaking the barriers down because um, there were people, nurses from all over the country who were at this Executive Leadership Program, and I know that I was an oddity, but you know what? I fit in. I learned a lot. I was glad to have the training that I got, and um, hopefully it opened the door for the next nurse who will go into that institute. But it takes people like you, Joyce, to begin to break those barriers down to help pave a path for other people. Oh, Karen, that is awesome. And, you know, my big story now, every time I speak, anytime I'm a keynote speaker, I tell people, stop waiting. Stop waiting. If you're in the disability community, guess what? No one's going to come to save you. No one's going to come to that door and say, oh, here's that career you're looking for. You have to be like Karen. I, well, you have to be like Karen. You have to say, then I'm going to do something about it. You have to get out there and make it happen. I believe that so much, and I think that when people lower the bar or pity people with disabilities, that's what causes such a problem, which I'm totally opposed to, because then people start believing that about themselves. Do you know I, what I mean, Karen? Yes, I do. In fact, um, um, if uh, uh, individuals are interested, they could go to the National Organization of Nurses with Disabilities website, which is www.nond.org. Um, there was a survey that's been online there that was asking people with disabilities um, if they uh, were wanting to go into nursing and if they had ever been told um, that they couldn't be a nurse. And actually, uh, we've had a, some very interesting responses where individuals with disabilities have said yes, their friends, their doctors, their vocational counselor, their teachers, their parents have told them that they couldn't be a nurse. 
Um, and so that perception has to change because now we have nurses um, who are working, who have gone through using a wheelchair. We have a nurse who's teaching who is deaf. We have nurses who have taken their practice, tweaked it a bit, are still working in nursing, um, and who are, have low vision, who are blind, uh, who have um, physical mobility um, uh, limitations, but it's about their abilities. And so we have to look at, believe in ourselves, and I wanted to follow that up with what you said, Joyce. We have to believe in ourselves. We have to make the path ourselves. Nobody's going to do it for us. And I guess we either have to get mad enough or assertive enough to think um, if it's going to happen, we may have to make it happen. You're so right. Nobody's going to make it happen for you. That's right. And you know what, Karen? It's amazing what you were doing uh, when you were working as a nurse because as my listeners well know, I have epilepsy. But in 1985, I didn't know I had epilepsy, and my disability was misdiagnosed. And one night I'm at the movie theater, and I had a seizure, and I hit the floor so hard, I fractured my skull. Oh, my. I had, yeah, I had an intracranial brain hemorrhage. And I was rushed to the hospital and had life-saving brain surgery. Yep. So Karen is the type of nurse that would have been there when that happened to me. Well, you know, and, and I would have. And, uh, but let me say to you, I used to say to people, I could save your life, but I couldn't get a job. Oh, do you hear that? And could, it was true. I could save your life, but, but I, I couldn't get a job. get a job. Oh, that is so profound. So, that I mean, is- I... That we have to be able to say, I mean, one of the things I like about the chamber with they do a CPR course here and everybody gets trained on doing CPR and we have a defibrillator here and whatever. Um, and although I'm not dressed in a white uniform, I consider myself still a nurse executive because I'm using all of my skills and I'm working in a healthcare initiative here in the state. Um, but the bottom line is, is that we have to make our employers um, uh, no matter who they are, aware of the impact of, of not hiring us, the impact it has on society um, and on, on our own self-esteem. I mean, I can tell you um, I went for a job interview um, for a job with a healthcare institution that was um, community health. Um, and the person did not know how to interview me. I think she was shocked that I would show up using a white cane with a red stick, and all the assistive technology that I used would have helped me in my job. But the bottom line is businesses have to become um, educated as well, and that's a great part of what we do here is providing ADA education through our Chicagoland Business Leadership Network, which is part of the United States Business Leadership Network, to bring businesses to the point where they're educated. They don't fear hiring people with disabilities. They know how to do it, hire, retain, accommodate, and I might even add, promote people with disabilities. And with that, we're going to go to break for a minute. If you just joined us, you're hearing this dynamic lady, Karen McCullough, Executive Director of Disability Works, a department of the Chicagoland Chamber of Commerce. We'll be right back. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability does matter. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Albert Einstein once said, nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much, unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. You know what? If you just joined us now, Karen McCullough, Executive Director of Disability Works and Founder of National Organization of Nurses with Disabilities. I just want to say, such a great show, what you do. You go back to Voice America or BenderConsult.com. All the old shows are archived. Tell your friends about it because they can listen to the show again, and they will be happy they did. Karen, one other thing I want to talk about with nursing. As you well know, and we have spoken about this before, many corporations are looking for nurses to work for them, but more in white-collar positions, you know, like uh, answering questions, uh, technical support, questions, things of that nature. How do you feel about that? I, I'm just fine with it. I think it's a choice. If that's what nurses would like to do, I think that it's fine. It's about choice. Um, if they're nurses with disabilities, again, it's about their choice. If that's what they want to do, go for it. If they want to be in the clinical arena, then I think they need to tweak their career so they could do that as well. Well, I want to tell you what an impact Karen had on me. 
We do at Bender Consulting have a lot of positions across the United States for nurses with disabilities to work at corporations in their health care area, you know, in white-collar type positions with, of course, non-disabled people doing the same job. But from talking to Karen, we're also on an initiative here at Bender to get some of the hospitals in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to work with me to also try to bring nurses in to do nursing work. And, and I just want to tell you, Karen, it's you that had that impact on me. Well, thank you. And I think that that's the, the, the thing. It's a perception that because someone becomes disabled who's a registered nurse, and include, in fact, I think some registered nurses think this, that because they're disabled, they, they're disabled, they can't work anymore. And I disagree with that. Um, but we also have to empower those nurses who become disabled to know what their rights are, um, to know that they can practice safely, and perhaps even change a direction of where they've been working in a specific field and go into another field so that they can ensure patient safety. That's always going to be the issue across the United States for every board of nursing. I think there's 60 of them. You have to ensure patient safety. Um, so obviously I personally made a choice. I'm not going to work in the clinical arena and give injections and administer medications now, but I believed that I could still be in nursing um, in another area um, that would still let me use my nursing skills. Yeah, so, you know, what I'm, since I've got to know Karen, my new stance is I still will employ a person with a disability, a nurse with a disability, to work in that white collar type position. But at the same time, I want to find positions where the person works in nursing. As Karen said, there should be a choice. Sometimes if there's no choice, as Karen said, the person just takes the other thing because they think they could never do it anyway. Right. I think we have a job to do on both sides. It has to do with education on the institutions and education of the nurses who become disabled. Right now, the average age of an RN in this country is 47. Um, wow. And so as our workforce oh. ages, it's inevitable that we're going to have more nurses become disabled. Oh, yes. And as you said, more of a need. Exactly. Um, Karen, one question that I have about the National Organization of Nurses with Disabilities. Would you mind giving us that website one more time, and can you also tell us if a listener would want to make a contribution, can they do that? Yes. Um, the website is www.nond.org. And I want to make sure everyone knows I'm no longer the president. I did that for three years. Dr. Beth Marks would have been on the call, but she's in South Africa right now. Um, and there is, if you go to our website, you can see in bright red letters, it says join NOND, N-O-N-D. And you hit that, and you can go over to... Um, um, a membership uh, selection, and in fact, uh, I was so thrilled one time we had a member give us $250, and it was like, it was huge. That was a huge deal for us, um, but you can actually join online, and you can donate. It's a $25 membership fee, or you can become a silver member, platinum member, so forth, and we would love it um, if some of your listeners would become members of our national organization. Okay, well, I would encourage everyone to do that. Give us the website again, Karen. www. 
N-O-N-D dot org. All right, check it out and make sure you take time to do that and make sure you tell anyone you know in the healthcare area, especially a nurse with a disability, about that. Uh, Karen, I have two last questions for you. Um, I didn't even know how you're going to answer this first question, although I have asked this to every guest that's been on the show over the past four and a half years. But my question is, um, already in your life, you have accomplished so much. I mean, you have done so much. It's unbelievable. I think very highly of you, and I think you're a great role model for everyone. But I wanted to ask you personally, what would you say you're the proudest of? Um, first of all, thank you very much for the compliment, Joyce. Um, this is really hard for me because my first gut reaction was that I've survived. Um, I've had uh, developed three different disabilities over a period of time, and every time I've had to develop new skills on how to do old things new ways, um, having children and now having some grandchildren is a proud accomplishment. Um, but I would have to say being the first executive director of Disability Works where I needed to set up the foundation for the initiative um, and some of the work that we're doing, um, both in the local, state, and national level, I think uh, are probably my most proud accomplishments. And um, I say that with reservations because we couldn't have done this. Our funder for Disability Works, our primary funder is the Illinois Department of Commerce an economic opportunity under the leadership of Director Jack Lavin, and we're part of our Governor Blagojevich's Workforce Development Initiative. If we hadn't had the funding, I wouldn't be here. Um, and so I must also say give credit where credit is due because we do have um, a Disability Works Resource Coordinators all over the state. That's part of a Department of Labor initiative. Um, part of my job is to raise funds through donors and private foundations as well. Um, and so far, we're still up and running. So that's also another accomplishment I feel very, very good about. Well, that is a great accomplishment. And congratulations to you. You should be proud of that. Thank well, you. Karen, Karen, what message would you like to leave with our listeners listening to the show throughout the world? If you had one message, what would it be? Don't ever give up on yourself. We never know what strength we have until it's called on. How true that is. How true it is. It's all about that self-efficacy. It is. It's all about that. It's all about really knowing and believing you can do the job. And, Karen, I want to thank you again for being on the show. Um, I, I think you're a great role model. Keep, keep up doing what you're doing. Uh, we're all behind you 100%. Thank you very much, Joyce, for having me and giving yes, me. Yes, we end the show with a famous, I mean, with a quote from a famous civil rights leader. And, Karen, I'm changing it because it's going to be you. Oh, thank you. I could save a life, but I couldn't get a job. Oh, my God, how powerful that is. Karen, good luck, and thank you so much. Thank you, Joyce. I enjoyed it. All right, everyone. See you next week. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice on VoiceAmerica.com. Oh, my God.
Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.